Good morning. This is Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who have been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Pastor Monica Mowdy from Carthage, and we're going to discuss her call to ministry and the work that she does at Carthage United Methodist Church, work that began years ago that's coming into fruition. Monica is at Carthage United Methodist, and they meet on Sundays from We have a service at 8 o'clock and a service at 10.30. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Welcome, Monica. Welcome to The Calling. Thank you, Dennis. It's good to be here. So you grew up in Oklahoma, is that right? Yes, ma'am. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Oklahoma. It was great. Uh, Funny story, we watched the Twister yesterday when the storms came in and we couldn't be outside playing. And and I turned to my son-in-law and I said, I miss the storms. And he said... That's not right. (laughs) And I said, I know, but there was something um, magic and majestic about how God could just blow up the sky and and the the lightning and the thunder and even tornadoes. There were there was some energy there. And uh, but no, I miss home. I miss Buffalo. I miss uh, the animal. And um, but it was a great time. It was hot. It was dry. It was different than here. But the people were pretty much the same. Good people, good hearts, hardworking, lovely to work with. That transition was nothing. We moved here in 1998. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the storms there. Did you experience a tornado firsthand? Absolutely. You just about can't live in Oklahoma without experiencing one firsthand. Um, We had a couple of houses, never one leveled, but hurt, um, would be on the road, and they would be pretty close to you. Um, You just learn. And you learn how to feel the air, and you learn how to take shelter if you can have shelter to take. And um, lately, they've had some bigger tornadoes than I ever experienced since I left Oklahoma. I don't know how those would be. They seem pretty scary, but they are scary. I have a healthy respect. Do you still have some connection there with folks? Absolutely. My sister still lives there. I have some cousins. Um, That's about all I have, a sister and her husband and my nephew. But um, we do still have a lot of connections, a lot of friends, a lot of a lot of great people. So, what was it like being young Monica Mowdy growing up in Oklahoma? Young Monica Mowdy, um, if anyone had said to my mother, she's going to be a pastor when she grows <laughs> up, my mother would have probably uh, died laughing. <laughs> I was wild. I was the child that would mount a horse with no saddle with chicken feathers in its hair and maybe mine um, and just ride wide open through the prairie. I was a child who probably never wore shoes. Um, I don't really remember wearing them except on Sundays and and dressing up for things. Um, And then I was put in petticoats that stuck out with it were itchy and the whole nine yards. It was like, we have a chance to dress her up, so let's get it done right. Um, I was a tomboy. Um, I was afraid of nothing. And I just lived my life just wide open all the time. I love that. It's very nostalgic to think of that with our kids growing up today in the cell phone sort of Internet area. What a wonderful childhood memory. Now, if I'm correct, you and your husband, Joe, together have seven children. Is that correct? Between us, we have seven. Um, When I met and married him, he had three, um, two of which were grown. They were out of high school. Um, and one was in, one was young and then I had two and we got married and we joke because shortly after we got married, I got cancer and they said, Oh, you're never going to be able to have more children. And I was thinking, 
that's okay. We have five. That's that's <laughs> fine. And then we um, became foster parents and we're blessed with two wonderful boys who we eventually adopted and they're grown now. So all of our kids are, they, they range in age from 18 to 40 oh, wow. and everything in between. Yeah. What's the toughest part of being a parent and a clergy person? Balance. I mean, hands down, balance, um, making sure that you give your family the time that they need and deserve, or at least come close. I don't really feel like they ever get that. Um, and being a clergy family is hard because they, they sacrifice. You know, their schedule changes all the time because mine does. Mm-hmm. And my schedule comes first often. Right. Um so balance, finding time, making sure that my head is not in a different place when my head should be in their space and um, trying to to be super mom and super clergy and super wife. And uh, that's probably the hardest part and worrying that they're getting everything for me that they need. You know, I think that lots of times we consider adoption a gift to the child, but so many times, I think every time. That child is a gift to the family. Have you experienced that in your life? Absolutely. Um, I always get a little bristly when people say that, oh, those children are so blessed to have you. And in the back of my mind, all I can think of is I am so blessed to have them. They're such good boys. They're, you know, I mean, that's not to say that they, we haven't had bumps in the road, but we have those Mm -hmm. with all seven. Um, But they're good children. They're good boys. They're good men. I guess I should say they're 18 and 19, almost 19 and 20. They're good men. Um, from a mama, it's great to have those boys because my first two were girls, and yeah. it's their mama's boys, and I love it. And um, they've 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 blessed us richly. That's great. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to the Calling More with Monica Mowdy in just a moment. I'm Dana Hornby, and we're back with the Calling. We're here with Reverend Monica Mowdy from Carthage United Methodist. Monica, tell me, how did a little girl riding barefoot and horseback from Oklahoma end up in a pulpit in Carthage, Tennessee? A long road, very long road. I'm what you would consider a second career pastor. I um, did not start in ministry. I started out in early childhood and education and doing those types of things, Um Mainly, I, I don't even know that I can honestly say I, I liked kids. I was not that kid person, but I remember sitting in school and seeing teachers not be kind to other students. And then I ended up in early childhood and saw other teachers not being kind to students. And then I saw the struggles of family. And so I left early childhood and moved to step back and begin to direct and train directors of child care centers so I could work with families. Well, then I took a step back even further and began to work with the state. I was I had directed the the federal daycare in Oklahoma that wasn't the one that blew up at the time of the bombing and got very associated with the state and the, the federal government and emergency readiness and did a lot of training and speaking and and support for other child care centers during that time, which led me into a career of training and advocacy for the early care and education realm. And I eventually began to work for the University of Oklahoma, writing curricul- curriculum and 
um, training other people, which is what eventually brought me to Tennessee. My husband and I joke that we had to come to Tennessee to truly find God. We thought we were Christians till we got here. And we really started going. We went to Crossville United Methodist Church, First United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. It was our first church together as a couple. And we loved it. And I was a very active lay person. And then suddenly and slowly at the same time, which makes no sense, but it was it was creeping up. I just didn't catch it. So it seemed suddenly my laity world and my ministry world began to just draw closer and closer together. And I just kept stepping further and further back so that my reach of who needed this support was larger. I went from helping directors to helping families to helping communities and then the next thing I know was I what's missing is God in all of this wow. and and bringing God into families, bringing God into communities, bringing bringing God and not in a preachy way, but in a in a truly loving God way and seeing this this beautiful, perfect image of love for us was what brought me to that place. And so I started um lay speaking and serving in a bunch of roles. And the next thing I knew one day, I just felt like I needed to go into ministry and did the dreaded talk to your district superintendent (laughs) moment. And from then on, um, it was just one thing after another. I got ordained in 2010 and um, here I am. That's amazing. I love what you said. The beautiful, perfect image of love. Mm -hmm. How do you visualize that? You know, as a parent, as much as I would love to pretend I love my children unconditionally, and I think we all would, and I think we do in some ways, but what we we still say, I love you, but. Right. And when we say that, but, it's almost as if everything we said before didn't exist. So when we say, I love you, but I really need you to do this, or I love you, but, but you really have to quit doing this, then there's a condition there. There's an inherent condition in that. And God may not like what we're doing, but he still loves us. There's no, I love you, but it's just, I love you. I just, I love you. And those, those, but things are things that might bring about consequences in our life. They might bring pain in our life. They might bring joy in our life, depending on those things that we're doing. But God's love never changed throughout that. He didn't love us more because we made the right choices. And he didn't love us less because we made the wrong choices. He just loves us. He loves us. And it's perfect. And it's and it's big and it's deep and it's wide and it's all-encompassing. And that's what's missing in our schools, in our communities, in our children, in our families is this love that's not distracted. It's not busy. It's not... Um, anxious it's just love and it's just there and it's a soft place to land and that's what i was trying to bring into the world i just didn't know it didn't know how to articulate it it took me a while to get there and that's what brought me into ministry i thought if i can work with a community and families through a position in a church as a minister then i can help them see that they are loved and help them see that out of that love they can love and we can go from there. That is a beautiful, perfect image of love. How did you feel the first time you stepped into a pulpit? Were you nervous when you gave your first sermon? I was terrified. And the funny story about that was I had been doing public speaking for close to 10 years at that point in front of crowds much larger than the Good News Service at Crossville United Methodist Church. 
So it was funny that I was terrified, but I'll tell you what terrified me. And it took me a while to figure that out. I was terrified because to me, the responsibility of the weight of delivering God's message was so huge. I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to do it wrong. Um, I didn't really grow up in church. Um, I was an adult before I really went. I went as when as a child because that's what you did. But from nine nine years old until adulthood, I didn't really go much, and so I didn't have those words. Right. You know, yeah. I didn't have the that language. Words. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have the church words. I didn't have the language, and so trying to learn the language, I knew God. God had made himself very clear to me and very real to me in a very wonderful way. But I didn't have those words and I didn't know the code and I didn't have the secret handshake down yet. And all of those things that sometimes I think when people step in a church, they feel set back from because they don't know those things either. Right. So that's that was it was scary. We're going to take a short break. More in a moment with Monica Mountain. I'm Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're here with Pastor Monica Mowdy from Carthage United Methodist Church, and Monica is going to share a motivational moment. A few years ago, I was reappointed to a church that had a handful of kids and a handful of youth and no choir and no music leader. We had a pianist, and that was it, and really no song leader. And we were trying to make worship experiential in a way that as we drew people to the service, the church had already begun to reach out into the community and love people, which drew people back into the church because they wanted to continue to experience that love from the people they had met out in the community. And Regardless of what most people feel, you got to have some music of some sort. You got to have something to break up the talking. And um, so we never could quite land on how we were going to make that happen in a real and beautiful and um, emotional way that could draw people closer to God. And one day I was working with a, a group of girls for a class that they were taking, and they had to do something in worship to um, fulfill their responsibilities for the class. And I said, what if you want to dance? Because when I was a barefoot girl in Oklahoma, the, about the only shoes I ever put on my feet were tap shoes and ballet shoes. And so I could dance. Um, I, I don't sing well and I don't play the guitar much anymore, but I can dance. So I taught these 12 little non-dancing girls a lyrical ballet to a church song. Well, of course, that did everything we needed it to do. and. What happened was, because God is funny, is everybody kept telling me, I can't dance. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then the girls wanted to keep dancing. And I said, well, let's have a dance camp. They wanted to go all summer. And frankly, I just didn't have it in me. They wanted to go all summer. So I said, let's have a dance camp and we'll invite people in the community. And all these people brought their children, but they said they can't dance. And so I we used that opportunity to teach something very important. There's a story in the Bible where a rich young ruler asks how he can get into heaven. And Jesus tells him, well, sell all your stuff. And it wasn't that Jesus was advocating poverty as much as Jesus was advocating getting everything out from in front of you that was in your way to him and that, and following him. And for this rich young ruler, hanging on to his wealth was, was something that was going to keep him rooted where he was. 
And so he said, I can't do that. And, and Jesus said, well, you can't go then. It was that simple. And so in that story, what we hear is the disciples getting anxious and nervous and saying, well, then who in the world can be saved? If, if we can't go unless we give everything up, who in the world can be saved? And I love this passage because in Mark 10, 27, Jesus says, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. And it doesn't say some things, and it doesn't say maybe. It says everything is. Everything is possible with God. And so I just infused this, these girls with the spirit of doing hard things. In fact, that became our hashtag, hashtag do hard things. I would say, okay, now we're going to try a double pirouette. And they go, we can't do that. And I'm like, you can, because we do hard things. And by the time I was reappointed from that church two years ago, those girls were beautiful dancers. And many of them went on to dance at school on the dance team or became cheerleaders and danced with the cheerleaders. And, and the beautiful thing about this is they, they brought such a worshipful spirit. They were asked to go to other churches, to our annual conference. There was a boy. i got to be careful. It wasn't all girls. There were a couple boys, too. But they, they went, and they didn't perform. They never performed. They worshipped. But the most important thing that they did besides that was they infused the spirit within this congregation that they can do hard things. And that's the thing that I think we all need to learn is that humans have limitations, but our limitations are not endings. Our limitations are nothing more than an opportunity for us to let go of what's limiting us and then let God come and step in beside us and do all the impossible part. God's ready to do the heavy lifting. We just have to get out of his way. So, yes, something may be humanly impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I'm Denna Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and we'll be back in a moment. I'm Denna Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and we're back today with Pastor Monica Mowdy from Carthage United Methodist Church. And we are entering what is my favorite time of the show. It is our rapid five questions. Monica, we're going to ask you five questions. You are going to get a free pass on one question. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you were ever arrested for a crime, what would your family say that crime had been? Wow, it would probably be um, shoplifting something really expensive that I thought I needed to have and I didn't have the money to get. Although I, I would fall apart if I ever did that. But um, I do like nice things. Yeah, I'm what not going to lie. Be? Uh, probably some sort of handbag or shoes. Okay. I, I have a, it's a shoe thing for me, I for reals. That. So I, I really feel like that's what they would probably say. So like some like that. Jimmy shoes or yeah, Louis yeah, probably some some Louis Vuitton, something, with a red something like that. On the yeah, bottom. absolutely. That would look good in the pulpit. Girl. And a nice and a nice heel. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was exactly what it would be. <laughs> that's great. Okay, Monica, what is the difference between being well informed and wise? You know, I have a son with autism, and he is very well informed. The boy reads, he's read on a 12th grade level since he was three. He's kind of like the Sheldon Cooper of our house. And he is incredibly well informed about so many things. 
but he doesn't have the depth of wisdom yet. He's only 19. He's almost 20. One, he hasn't lived a life. Two, he doesn't assimilate that knowledge. He just knows it. He's like a walking dictionary. He He's like a book. I can ask him anything, and he might know the answer, probably will. Mm-hmm. But to me, the difference is being able to assimilate it, be able to use it. Like, can you take that knowledge and adapt it and use it in a different situation? Is it something that you can share with other people? Is it something you've sat on and pondered both sides and all the sides and all the angles of the information. So I think that's the difference between well-informed and wisdom. That's amazing. I think we could all use that in life. Okay, next question. If you were driving down the street and you were alone in your car, you had maybe some serious radio on, what would be uh, there? What would you be listening to? Lately, I've been stuck on Fortunate Son by Credence Clearwater Revival, but sometimes it's Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas. But, you know, lately I've gotten really to where I really like um, Black Eyed Peas has a new song that came out of this songland show called Be Different, Be Nice. Yeah. Um, I promise you it'll change your life. And I, I can't put that song down. And Taylor Swift has a new one called I Think You Need to Calm Down. Yes. And I like that song because I want to say both of those things to people all the time. <laughs> Be nice. And I think you need to calm down. Yes. So those have become my favorite songs. That's lately. great. What's your most embarrassing moment? Oh, my gosh. There are so many. Um, <laughs> the list is endless. But the one that popped in my head when you asked me that question. So that's the one I'll tell you about, although I'm sure there are others. Um, I wear heels a lot, and I went to go watch my daughter play volleyball several years back on my lunch break. And so at the towards the end of the game, I was clacking down the bleachers to get back to work on time. This was before I was in ministry. And as I was coming down the stairs, I stumbled, as you would in bleachers and heels. They were probably four or five-inch stilettos. <laughs> and somehow, someway, my arm went inside one of those big rolling trash cans as I fell, and I rolled with the trash can. <laughs> like I was wrestling or rolling around with the trash can. It was clear. Thank goodness it was empty. But I'll never forget, because then I did the typical thing you see. I, I got up and looked to see if anyone was looking and just kind of walked out. Of course, I heard from my husband later that after I got out the doors, everybody <laughs> erupted in laughter. So No one came to help you? No, absolutely not. They what? were too busy. My entire family was too busy laughing. So there's that. <laughs> so you didn't hurt anything? Didn't hurt anything. Didn't Very hurt good. the shoes. Didn't hurt the body. It didn't hurt the shoes. Um, hurt the pride, probably yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, last question, Monica. Mm-hmm. What's the funniest joke you know? Oh, gosh, this is a, I might have to pass on this. Oh, um, no. I am not good at jokes. I love jokes and I can be really funny, but telling jokes, let me think. I have nothing. I can't remember a joke to tell, so I'm going to have to take a pass. Okay, I'm going to give you one. Okay, give me okay. one. Okay. Why did the golfer wear two pairs of pants? Mm, why? In case he got a hole in one. That is awesome. Yeah, See, those can... are those are my kind of jokes. But I guarantee you later. And so I don't even try to tell him because I'm yeah. the queen of telling them wrong. Yeah. So I don't even try. But yeah, I I love jokes and I like to be funny, but I never can remember them. Well, I'm the the queen of bad jokes, so, like but they're all jokes. clean. You can tell them to the kids. So there you, there you go. I think life is what you make it. So you may as well make it fun. Absolutely, absolutely. I love fun. Thank you, Monica, for joining me today and for discussing your 15 years in ministry. We thank you for following your calling. Each week here on The Calling, we'll introduce you to members of the community who have followed their call to serve. I'm Denna Hornby. 
And this has been The Calling.